Welcome in, guys. Adam here. This is episode 21 of All In with Adam, and I'm here with uh, Paul Arthurs, who's a professional dog trainer. Yes. Awesome. Dude, tell me how you got into this world of professional dog training. Uh, I think like most trainers, I struggle with a personal dog. Okay. Uh, what kind I, of dog was it? Uh, he was an Alapaha Blue Blood Bulldog. Whoa. Which That's is, a weird dog. Yeah, it's a... Um, it's an American bulldog, essentially. Okay. Uh, they were uh, bred in the Alapaha region of Georgia okay. as plantation dogs. Gotcha, gotcha. Right? Uh, hog hunters, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so uh, just big, powerful bully breeds, you know, sure. uh, uh, very similar to... And a tough dog to train, right? Yes. I mean, a lot of bully breeds are not, yes. not starter dogs, you'd say, right? For sure, yeah, they're uh, they can run you over, absolutely. Yeah, uh, very. They can be pushy. Uh, I had bully breeds my whole life, and had just done. I think like a lot of people, just you know, your dog misbehaves, and that's part of you know dog ownership. Sure. But this dog was completely different. Okay. Right. Uh, the things. While I didn't really know anything about dog training, I was just good with dogs. Right. Sure. They, Some people are right. I think yes, of course. I think you know, you people. Some people have a natural way to connect with dogs. Uh, this dog, I wasn't really able to do that. Okay. Uh, so I I hired a, a professional trainer, uh, and that was kind of the start of my journey to to here. Gotcha. Uh, and I, it was, you know, and even just talking about that now, it's kind of, it's it's humbling, right? Sure. I think I think uh, you know working with animals is always humbling, uh, but you know I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to hire a trainer, but I just didn't like I was just confounded. So, sure. uh, but I think, uh, ultimately that dog and, the, uh, you know, that situation was, you know, again, it changed the course of my life because before I wasn't doing this professionally. So sure. I gotcha. do feel like, <clears throat> and so, know. so what are your, give me like a day in the life of of a dog trainer are you i know you said you run classes but how often do you meet like in people's homes for problematic dogs is that just like every, the standard yeah every day i mean we we offer uh you know both kind of traditional training where we do in-person lessons i mean the mm -hmm. group classes are what most people think about like sure. pet smart kind of classes but no we do uh private training one-on-one -on -one lessons where you know we come to you and then we do uh more of a traditional board and train where the dog would would stay with us but uh, I mean, uh, it's busy, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a business owner anyway, so I mean, they're long days. I mean, dog training is is probably not what most people think it is. Yeah, <laughs> right? sure. Uh, most people think of it as as the kind of interactions that you have uh, with your with your personal dogs, right? Sure. And we're dealing with a lot of tough dogs, obviously. But even then, the nuts and bolts of uh, of of you know the everyday stuff, you know, picking up the the, the poop yeah of uh, course cleaning the kennels like that kind of stuff uh you know but even beyond that i mean it's emotionally taxing sure right? i imagine there's, so there's a lot of in, you know the, you invest a lot into the dogs and you invest a lot into the clients so ultimately very rewarding but way harder than people think it is sure i, I believe think, that i think a lot of people you know look to get into dog training to because of the fun stuff mm -hmm. and, and it's a that's just a very small portion of it <laughs> uh, this is a very small portion of it. And, I, and then the dogs that you're dealing with are, are difficult. Sure. You know, they're aggressive. They're anxious. They're, and that's a, that's the nature of the job, right? Nobody's bringing you these well-adjusted, well-socialized dogs for training. It's not, the problem, typically child. Typically not. Right? I mean, we all like to get, you know, the the eight-month-old doodle sure. that jumps on people. 
yeah, and pulls easy. on the leash. I gotcha. Yeah. Right. And I think the, you know, I, and I think that the, the oh, sadly, the more successful people get, the more they gravitate towards those dogs. Sure. Because their schedules get booked out and they're like, mm, well, you're too far away and your dog is terrible. So I'm not going out there. Yeah. Yeah. We all ultimately start doing this to help people. Mm-hmm. And that is the most rewarding part of it. And yes, we all you know, work for money, mm-hmm. but you want to find a purpose that fulfills you, right? Sure. A uh, dog training does that, but you know, the more successful you get, the harder that becomes because we're all ultimately <laughs> trying to work less and make more. Sure. Right. Of I mean, that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the goal of work. That's the goal of business ownership for me outside. I mean, you've got to find that balance. Sure. Right. So sometimes that's, that's hard to do as you become more successful, which you would think it would go the other way. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what I mean? So what are some of the most what are some of the most common things that you run into? Is it typically the eight month old poodle pulling on the leash? Is that is that kind of where most people come to see you? I would or say aggression. 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 So like right. food aggression or like stranger this, aggression? This blanket term for a whole host sure. of behavioral issues that okay. aren't probably even aggression, right? Resource guarding, you know, yeah. uh, somebody coming in the front door, you know. Behavioral issues that are uh, the symptoms of those issues are expressed with what appears to be aggression. Sure. Right. And I mean, can we call it aggression? Yeah. But like real aggression. It also could be just a fear response that yes. looks aggressive. Right. To right. Someone. It's just it's just a, you know, like it's a very blanket term. If you're just you know, when you just say my dog's aggressive, like that could mean so many different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and you might address it in a in a in a variety of different ways sure. depending on the reason reason why that behavior is being displayed uh, but like real aggression dogs looking to put holes in people generally speaking sure it just, <laughs> it just they just don't exist that much yeah well, uh, it's fear-based sure typically. Well, one thing you and i were, were talking about we had met my dogs out here um tahoe and rhino and yeah you know sort of explaining to you just before you met them that what you'll see is this this opposite ends of the spectrum is what they are they're not even remotely similar at all and it, it's you could find aggressive tendencies in in both of them. Again, that's a blanket word, but the way they manifest is so so different. And for us, in getting those two dogs, uh, we got them about a year apart. But it it became really obvious how big of a role genetics play. Yes. Where there is there's a, an element to the nature of these dogs where not only do we have to parent them a little bit differently, but there's limits to what. Tahoe is going to do behaviorally because of how his brain is built, right? There's just a certain box he's going to operate within. Certainly. And same with Rhino. There's these mm-hmm. there's these parameters that you have to sort of keep in mind when you're training the dog because of who and what this dog is. And so I'm curious, like, how do you see those limitations? Like, is it by breed or is it just by general temperament? Like, you can... You can look at a dog and say, given the drive, given the energy level, given the the natural, sure. the way this dog thinks, here's what kind of dog you're, you're working with here. And there's limits to that. I think it's much more the individual. Okay. I do. Uh, more so than breed. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. there are certain, because I mean, the, the breed characteristics are something that They're change. real. They are real for sure, but yeah. they change. Yeah. Right. Uh, breeding, is, you know, is not... Especially in the states, this is why everybody goes to Europe to get their dogs. Sure, <laughs> uh, it's just not good, right? The, okay. the breeders, uh, while there are a lot of good breeders out there, and certainly some of them are are trying to breed uh, dogs that uh, are genetically, uh, you know, Optimized represent or... represent the standard for the breed. Sure, right? sure. Now, uh, 
how many breeders are just breeding to sell dogs. And it's mostly, you know, based on appearance. Mm -hmm. So the type of the dog, of course, they don't want aggression and those kinds of things, but they're not necessarily looking for dogs that are uh, what I would call stable or sound. Okay. Right. And that doesn't necessarily get expressed until the dog is, you know, mature. Sure. Six months, 12 months. Yeah. And you know, like you, you said, they're that. focused on aesthetics for the most part. They are because unfortunately, like you can get more for a dog if it's a certain, if it throws a certain color. Right. Sure. So, uh, or how big they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a lot of breeds are ridiculously large these yeah. days. Like And bred I, to be so. Yeah. 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 They're just getting bigger and bigger because people want, they get like, they're going to extremes, right? They get bigger and bigger. They get smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. yeah. they're, like, they're three pounds or they're 120 pounds. Like a, and, a, and like a pit bull, well, some of them do get large, and it's it's you know it's based upon how just kind of solid they are. Like a pit bull shouldn't be a hundred pounds. Like that's not sure. Well, what... you can see some of those dogs on. I mean, on Instagram, you can see them where they are. It it looks a lot like how Mr. Olympia stages look now, where it's like right. okay, we're past the point. It's where, exaggerated. Yes, we're we're pushing boundaries here that like clearly don't need to be pushed. Right. Like I don't know a bodybuilder who's six three but weighs four hundred pounds with abs, like. You're not supposed to walk around with that right. much muscle on your body, right? You need right. exogenous hormones and all sorts of stuff. But right. in the pit world, you see that a lot. Some of the freakishly built dogs where yeah. you wonder, did your heart evolve to handle that amount of, like, you know, muscular load on your body? Probably not, right. you know? Right. And you'll see that stuff manifested in a, a variety of health issues with, yeah. uh, 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 with all breeds. Uh, pit, I mean, pit bull is not a breed. Uh, but, you know, American Pitbull Terriers or Staffies or whatever it is, the actual breed that we're talking about, they're actually genetically pretty sound dogs in regards to health issues. Yeah. Allergies, uh, I know, are one of the weak spots. Yes. We have yes. that one a lot. <laughs> uh, that, and, and that seems to be true of uh, a lot of a lot of breeds as well. Just, sure. You know, so, I mean, even with people, it's like the allergies are like just they're for some reason. Sure. Uh, becoming a lot more prevalent. Uh, and who knows what, you know, within all that all that boils down to. Uh, but I do think back to the original question uh, that it's obviously a little bit of both, right? And that all depends on where the dog came from. So the mm -hmm. breed, you do expect certain things from sure. certain breeds, right? Uh, while we're on the subject of, you know, uh, you know, pit bull type dogs is they're uh, typically very engaged, very like conflict driven, not in a good or a bad way, but sure. like, you know, They'd ready like to do that and... kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, where, and they're also a little bit more just would, you know, they're what people call stubborn, but, uh, don't require like a, like a herding breed requires mm -hmm. a person to accomplish the thing they're bred to do. Okay. Right. Where other breeds do not, you know, pit bull type dogs are, that's a good example. Uh, so they tend to be a little less cooperative. Right. Gotcha, because they're happy playing an independent game. They don't necessarily yeah, need because you. what they they don't to accomplish yeah. their job. They don't need you. Yeah, right. Where, <laughs> that's, that's where a great like way an Australian Shepherd or a German Shepherd. I have a German Shepherd. Uh, they do need you to accomplish mm -hmm. most of the tasks that they they would be considered you know bred to do. So, sure. uh, I mean, but ultimately, I do think that working with dogs, you want to consider the dog in front of you and what the dog is giving you mm -hmm. is, is, is the approach you should take. Sure. You shouldn't try and, and try and take an approach based upon what you would believe about that breed. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. Right. A ton I mean, of sense. Yeah. The breed will give you maybe a ballpark, but I assume it's also possible you could show up to a house with a pit bull 
and the problems that he has would actually more closely resemble like a toy breed or something. Yeah, right? it just, they, it they, they'll, they'll surprise you. Yeah, they'll surprise you. That's for sure. And that's why I don't ever make any assumptions about any sure. dog at all. Do you ever uh, do you ever run into a breed consistently that gives you less problems? Are there breeds that are less problematic overall or more balanced? Might be a good word. Uh, no, I mean we see a lot of the same breeds, and I think that uh, some of them are certainly uh, predictable. But I don't. No, no, is it, you know they can all suck. I would, it I, I would say no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we all we all would like to uh, figure that out and mm -hmm. maybe grab towards those breeds, but no, I, I really don't. Uh, it's just so individual. Yeah. Right. And tell me about the dogs that, that you have. I assume personally you have dogs. I do. Okay, I do. Tell me uh, what you got. I do know some trainers that don't. Uh, weird. How weird I, uh, is that? I well, I think um, as, as you. Uh, we'll get certainly talk about my dogs, but as you progress through it, I think the more, like, the better you get a dog, everybody's got a personal dog, but I think at some point you almost, like, some really world-renowned trainers, like, don't have pet dogs. Yeah. You know, like, they that just have... odd. Well, right? they start breeding dogs, the dogs become almost property. I, I mean, see. dogs are property. Sure, they, they are. always are. We, yeah. all, we all own our dogs, but, like, they just become, like, a thing, like, a, a vessel to... I mean, you start you start training them, you start Jeez. selling them, you start. They just like like Bart Bellana, He doesn't have he doesn't have a pet dog. They all just they're all just business, right? And he goes home. So and they just he goes fluid. home. They just kind of move and sell. Yeah, and, and he, but they would typically don't even come in his house, right? Yeah. Like he goes and trains, and he comes home, and it's him and his wife, and they are there with. I know it is weird, yeah. right? You don't want that companion on the couch with you, or no? <laughs> I mean, I think I mean, maybe they just get sick of him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I do. I'm not at that level, but like, yes, I've I've heard some of these like the top dog trainers in the world. Like, no, I don't have dogs in my house when I go home. Like six huh. o'clock, like it's just me and my wife, and I enjoy it that way. <laughs> Interesting, uh, but. I have two dogs. Okay. Uh, I have a, a, a Yorkie. A, okay. A, a York, yeah. A, a, and then a, a German Shepherd. Wow. Uh, Quite a so, split. Yeah. I mean, I like to have a small dog and a big dog. I mean, I, I think growing up, uh, like my first dog was a Staffie. I was like most young men looking for a big badass dog. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, you want the like, killer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's testosterone. Like, you want the dog that elicits fear from people. Mm -hmm. You don't want a dog that that is actually a problem. Yeah. But you do want people to look at your dog and be like, mm, you know, think what? maybe it could be a problem. Yeah. That's so fine. I mean, that's what I had growing up. I mean, I, I did have a, uh, you know, some other dogs, but I've always I've just been a dog person, obviously. Sure. I always had dogs, but typically I would gravitate towards, you know, uh, towards bully breeds, pit bulls, the Alapaha, uh, mm -hmm. blue bulldog. Uh, but uh, I like smaller dogs. I, I, I do. I don't know if you ever owned a small dog. Smaller. Just, <laughs> yeah. Not quite Yorkie level, but yeah. yeah I mean, small. yeah, there's just something about uh, small dogs that is different from a large dog. I don't know how to sure. maybe, maybe uh, you know. Put that into words but uh, i always did kind of see smaller dogs as being somewhat useless because they can't perform <laughs> a function as well yeah have you heard of the, the comedian theo vaughn yeah before yeah, theo yeah, vaughn's no, got have, one of my favorite quotes he says if i can if i can kill it with a frisbee that's not a dog right <laughs> right it's just it. they can't do the things that dogs are bred to do <laughs> sure, so it's sure. like we literally bred the purpose out of them in many cases yeah yeah uh, toy chihuahuas and you know, yeah the, uh, I mean, cut breeds, of course. Yeah, yeah. And Yorkie, I've always, I actually was born in England and grew up in, in England. And are they rat dogs? Yorkies? Yes, I mean, yeah, they okay. are. They're, they're vermin dogs. All the smaller dogs are vermin dogs. Gotcha. Essentially, that's typically where they. Still plenty know, of function, though. Yeah, you, know? you got uh, a rat problem. Yeah, ter <laughs> yeah, terriers. I think uh, dispel that. And and I did once. I got a small dog that completely dispelled my notion of them not actually being dogs. Sure. 
Uh, sure, sure. But it took me only That's a joke, one. by the way. I don't think. I know, I know. But <laughs> like like everybody, it, it, is, it, is, it is the joke, right? <laughs> because typically smaller dogs, they get away with more. They're, they're more, they're, you know, they're, they're uh, babied more, anthropomorphized. You know, that mm-hmm. is what everybody does with dogs. This is the problem with dogs. And They do that more with small dogs. And higher on the bite list. If I, is that true? I've always heard uh, that. Yeah, I mean, I think people are less apprehensive of small dogs, so they get closer. They do more stupid things. Sure, right? sure. Yeah, because you don't necessarily need to go to the hospital if the chihuahua snaps at you. Right. So the likelihood of that happening goes higher. People get braver with them, right? It does. I think they're uh, – and they're just they, – they typically are less confident, and most aggression is fear-based, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that means that uh, they do tend to bite people more. Yeah. I mean, I think the statistics will always point towards – uh, you know, the, the bully breeds, the pit bulls, the, sure. the power breeds, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, because those are the reported ones. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, because you need to report them because yes. here you are at the hospital. Yeah, so. you're suing somebody or you're, going, <laughs> you're eating medical attention. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that's a great point, I mean, right? That would skew so much of that that reporting because who reports getting nipped by a chihuahua? Nobody. Nobody reports yeah. that. No. So, yeah, it could be happening tenfold what pit bull bites are. You just hear about the pit bites because you do, you know. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, there's a there's a lot of myths around the breed. Sure, you know, it just it's it sucks that even intelligent people, yeah, you know, very intelligent people, uh, you know, believe a lot of silly things about the dog, the whole nanny dog, the whole. It's just they're, they're you know very misrepresented. I, I agree. I think one one thing that that and you tell me if this is um, if this is accurate. Sort of my interpretation when we got. Rhino, our big scary pit bull, mm-hmm. was that that clearly, if you you know invest the time, socialize the dog, and train them properly, that it's not just going to grow up and be a killer dog. That that's completely within your control, to, sure, to, to a degree, right? Yes. You, you yeah, can of have the, the lone psychopath yes. dog, you of can. course, right? Um, but for the most part, if you train this dog correctly, he he's capable of being as sweet and affectionate and kind as any other. Absolutely, breed. and they're actually very affiliative socially with human beings. Sure, sure, extremely. But I, what I realized was his, first of all, his physical power. So his ability to right. <laughs> fuck somebody up if he Des- wanted to do yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah. very high. Design killing machine. Yes. And yes. and if you were to take that dog and just, let's just say, throw him in the backyard and let him raise himself, that that is the kind of dog that would put someone in the hospital. Perhaps, without any yeah. direction, any supervision, that, that at least his natural temperament leaves him susceptible to becoming that kind of dog in the absence of a human that cares about him that wants to train like if i just left him alone i do think he would turn out fairly aggressive is that an accurate assumption i don't i mean it's hard obviously hard to say i think that they're conflict driven they do yeah this is when i see this breed they're like they're conflict driven i like that they're game you know what i mean i call it gameness from (laughs) a dog game yeah like some dogs are game some dogs aren't when you apply pressure some dogs will absolutely retreat yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be within the context of like, I'm going to hurt you. I'm talking about any kind of pressure. Any kind of conflict. Social but, yeah. pressure, spatial pressure, right? A lot of a lot of dogs will absolutely give in and out retreat mm-hmm. where they're not interested. Pitbull type dogs, right? Yeah. Won't. Even yeah. if you startle them, they will startle, but then they'll be like, all right, so now what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are we doing now? Instead of like, oh, I'm getting out of here. Sure. And that's just the nature of the breed. And I think that's what people wanted from this dog uh to accomplish the things that they were ultimately i mean like you know this whole idea of them being fighting dogs they're uh they they're designed to 
overcome physical adversity. Like fighting, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter. Sure, it right? doesn't really matter. They're designed to overcome physical adversity. Yeah, right. clearly with powerful, the, the bone right. structure, the muscle mass, like clearly, right. you know. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, it, it's, it's hard to say. And I think you take any dog and you just put it in a backyard and you don't give it, uh, you know, an outlet. Sure. Then they're they're going to be screwed up, but not necessarily in an aggressive way. It's hard, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, pit bulls would. I think you like you said would would probably have a, a predisposition towards that. Sure. And what I see from it is with other dogs. Yes. I don't more, see more it as much likely. with people. I see yeah. it with other dogs, uh, and that's just I don't. Can I explain it? No. I mean. I, uh, you're a dog i'm a dog let's fight yeah sometimes, i mean, sometimes you know, I mean obviously is, right? like i mean if you get dogs that are actually from fighting bloodlines then mm-hmm. that's what they were looking for those dogs sure right and they were breeding them but i don't think that's what's happening now i, I don't I mean you know, it's hard to say uh, but maybe there's some residual stuff there i mean i'm not a i'm not into the breeding world i don't i don't really understand much of it but uh i know what i see anecdotally sure <laughs> i've handled you know hundreds and hundreds of dogs sure a uh, ton of ton of pit bulls ton of bully breeds and they're just you know there's um there's a there's a like a like a trance that they go into. Like yes, a, like a it's just, a look in the eye. Yeah, yeah, it's very different from other dogs. I don't like it's very yeah. like where you they will literally just get singularly focused and there isn't a, a ton you can do to well that's, to stop it. It's funny you you mentioned that that mode we call it the death stare is yeah. what we call it. And yes, we um we we've seen that in. It's a fixation. It, yes, it's a fixation. It's a tunnel vision. It's almost right. like they got injected with a drug briefly, and they yeah, lose the ability it's to... It's unique to them yeah. for the most part. We have this part. with our with our goats, uh, because Rhino was raised around chickens, so that was pretty easy, but we got the goats when he was like a year old, mm-hmm. and he gets into that death mode anytime they're out in the yard together, and he thinks he could go get them. Right. He just gets into that mode where it's like, I can... Look at him and tell that I can't let you go around these goats right now because that look tells me right. you're going to chase and they're going to run because they're prey animals. And so and <laughs> right. kind of wondered, like, how do you snap a dog out of that that mode? Or I mean, is it not worth the time? Well, I mean, you can't because it's genetics. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it feels like. It's like he's he's just you doing can get him to, to reliably come to you mm-hmm. more more challenging the more fixated they become mm-hmm. and again they're bred to overcome physical adversity so there there are some dogs you could you know like I, we haven't really talked about tools too much but you could put 100 e-collars on them yeah once they're in full drive it's not going to stop them yes i get right? that impression with him it doesn't yeah. matter uh so i mean you're just managing it mm-hmm. it's who the dog is i mean yeah of course you can address <laughs> behavioral issues sure but like you know your dog wanting to kill a goat is built into him yes D- deeper than deep it's it's yes. all the way at the bottom it's lizard brain <laughs> stuff yeah, i mean exactly. it's just it's there uh so you're just hoping to manage it and i think you you know lots of people are trying to stick a square peg in a round hole a mm-hmm. lot of the time because they don't believe in the genetic concept as much yeah right i can fix you yeah. Even though you're not broken, you know what I mean? Sure. You're, you're not broken, but this whole idea of, like, I can change this or... You can you know, optimize it's my, them it's to be... It's my job to, for some reason. Sure, that. sure. People don't understand dog psychology at all. So yeah. they're always uh, trying to... Typically trying to get the dog to do... They're, they're creating conflict. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of dog... People love their dogs, but there's a lot of conflict there. Sure. And they don't know how to... Bridge the gap. Well, let me ask you, it'd be interesting to pivot into some some dog psychology. What 
How would you describe the, this is a really broad question, but how would you describe the relationship uh, from humans to canines? What's the main substrate there? Um, do you think people miss miss some things sometimes? Do we, do we get it wrong? Like what what is our relationship as humans to dogs? For most dog owners, it's now completely emotional. Okay. Right. I mean, the companionship. The, it, 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 yes. Uh, almost to a, a fault sometimes. I think some people are just, you know, they're almost too too emotionally connected to their dogs mm-hmm. at times, and they, they have a hard time disconnecting. And I, I think it's, and that's a, at least for a lot of behavioral issues. But yeah, the uh, nurturing oh, mother complex yeah. goes wrong. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Helicopter parent, like they don't let the dog figure stuff out. They don't give the dog life management skills. Sure. Right. Coping skills. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they lack them themselves. I hate to say that mm-hmm. about some some people, but it's the same concept. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, you are ultimately teaching a dog like. Uh, but I want to circle back around to your question, obviously, uh, and answer it. Uh, but you know, do- because dogs were bred to to do things for us. I mean, this is the ultimate relationship between man and sure. dog. Is they had a function. They they worked for us. Uh, they did things for us, and in and in return, uh, we made uh, survival easier for the dog. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's this notion that dogs want to please us. Right. You hear mm-hmm. people say, "My dog's a, a people pleaser." And the more I do this, the less I believe that that's actually what the dog's thinking. Okay. Right? I mean, dogs, like most mammals, people, we do things for a basic reason. And that's, well, for two reasons, to simplify it, to get what we want and Mm -hmm. avoid what we don't. I mean, that's what most decisions are based upon. Tools and obstacles. Yeah. It helps me get closer to what I want or it's in the way. And all we are is the vehicle to those things Mm -hmm. at this point. So the dog appears to i'm not saying my dog doesn't love me and i'm not saying your dogs don't love you but but, it's a reward system at play right that's what we're we're, you're seeing most of the time right right exactly and uh that isn't always clear to people i don't i don't think i mean they don't Mm -hmm. they don't see it that way they uh again they uh, we're always putting socially constructed emotions on our dogs when Mm -hmm. they have a much more primal like they're right. called, i don't know if you're familiar with like uh what's called blue ribbon emotions there it's okay. uh it's fear panic rage there's a, a book called um uh, animals make us human it's by uh, uh temple grandin okay and it goes through i this. love that it's interesting it's a, it's a great it's a good book it's called animals make us human she does another one but the 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 concept that she goes through is that essentially all dog behavior or the i mean i'm not saying that dogs don't are, don't are, don't like doing things and don't like dislike doing things, but their basic level emotions and a lot like all animals is is fear, panic, or rage, or uh, some like semblance of that. So like rage, okay. like a dog can get frustrated, and that's part of the rage. Gotcha. Right? Goes so into that category. Right. Uh, and then beyond that, they they're not they don't feel guilt, they don't feel shame, they don't feel uh, the stuff that we feel, but we yeah. all they what they we assume they do because when Correct. the dog shits we on the carpet, on them, yeah, the dog shits on the carpet, you come home, they look guilty. Right, it they, they looks, give, looks like guilt. Sure right, does. yeah. The dogs are like they're smart, but they're not that smart. Yes. Right. Uh, so it, it appears to be guilt, but it's just appeasement. It's just like a displacement behavior, almost kind sure. of the same concept. Uh, but we assume the dog's feeling guilty about shit on the carpet when he's absolutely not. Yeah, it, you know guilt is I mean? the wrong word. Yes, yeah. it is. It is. Uh, but that's how we again that connection between man and dog at this point is completely emotional. Mm-hmm. Right. That's 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 why we have dogs now. Yeah. Because coming home to a dog that's excited to see you feels good. It releases. Sure. I mean, I guess that always exists, but it releases serotonin in your brain. It makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. There's that companionship. I mean, the, the whole reason that everybody 
uh, well, people that dog people like dogs. There's something that's, I guess, hard to, uh, uh, to, to put into words. There is something there. Sure. And, and some depth of emotion they experience. Yeah. Right? And that's, and I guess the more I learn about dog psychology, unfortunately, the, the less of that I see when I look at dogs. I mean, it, I guess it circles back yeah. around to like it becoming kind of like the dogs being almost like becoming like tools or subjects or something that you're thinking sure. about in a more scientific way. And that becomes less apparent when you're looking at a dog, working at a dog, thinking about a dog, because you're coming at it from an analytical way because you're trying to problem solve. Sure. sure For me sure. as a dog trainer, I'm not trying to like, like get to know your dog. I don't, I mean, I want to It doesn't matter it. if you bond with them or not. You're solving problems. And ultimately problems. I doing those things, training a dog, you will bond way more deeply with a dog training it than you ever will giving it affection. Sure. Sure. Right? Very but like, true. People's like, I come in and I don't give the dog a bunch. I ignore the dog. Even when we're working, I'm not giving a lot of affection. And I think some people, Look at they that. think it's cold. Yeah, they yeah. look at that and they're like, mm, what's, what's going on with that? You know what I mean? Well, it's a different type of connectivity, right? I mean, I would imagine, well, and maybe think of it this way, like how you might connect with your wife is a lot different than how like um, two men at war might connect with each other, right? I mean, there's like different <laughs> levels and types of connectivity, not all mm -hmm. of which are how a mother treats a child or how a husband treats a wife, right? Those are far more right. intimate, affectionate, sweet by nature. But look at two guys that went to war together. I mean, they're clearly bonded, but it's in a very, very different way. And I was first exposed to this, these different types of bonds that people have with their pets. Um, you know, I told you my, my dad was a, um, like a canine cop. And growing up in close proximity to that level of training, it's fascinating because there a pet is like the wrong word for that relationship. It's so foreign from how most people think of like what a pet dog would be. Mm -hmm. um, the dog slept outside in a cage. That's a, that's they would never be allowed in the house. <laughs> right. um, and playtime was it, it wasn't like I don't know the, the, the way the dog's mind worked. It was uh, compartmentalized. If it was playtime, it was in play mode. And if it's work time, the dog has a, a work mode and it would sure. it wasn't like fluid how a normal dog would kind of play with you and then maybe we cuddle and then maybe we get some food and then this dog was like it was like missions. Everything was was separated out. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know, any thoughts on that type of I mean like, I behavior? Talk, I talk about this with my clients all the time actually, because I am the same way with my with my dogs. Like contextually, I want to let you know what I expect from you. Mm -hmm. Just from being inside to outside, for example. Okay. Right? Like, I don't play with my dog in the house. Interesting at all. No. Because I don't want to play with him in the house. Right? Gotcha. I don't, so that's an outside activity only. Yeah, because, and, that, and, you know, those are signals that you give to your dog. Mm -hmm. Right? So if, for example, like you're saying, if a dog, like when my dog comes in the house, he goes and lays down. If he doesn't, then he's not staying. And he knows that. Wow. Right. So it's a great way to get your dog to relax in the house because most people, I mean, I'm a dog trainer, so I work my, my dog, I do dog sports. I mean, my dog's working, his purpose is fulfilled, right? Sure. Most people, it's much more difficult to do that because especially in this climate, uh, yeah. like you come home, <laughs> you just want to play with your dog in the house, right? Sure, but like sure. if, what I recommend is do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a room that isn't where you chill. A play spot. Yes. Yeah. Right, because dogs are very visual, contextual learners. Right, this is essentially how all dog learning occurs. Okay, uh, like uh, I mean, even when I play with my dog, I'm going to s tell him that we're about to play. Mm -hmm. Like, are you ready? He's like, "Fuck yeah, I'm ready." Yeah. 
right? And it gets them jazzed up as well, which, yeah. is, which is I want to be able to, to, to I want to be able to turn my dog off contextually. And I want them to turn my dog on contextually. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pulling the tug out, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's a green it, light if you get yeah. the toy, but yeah. But even then, like if I, if I don't, like I might just grab a tug to transport it from one area to the other. If I don't say, I mean, he's still going to get excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might, got it, dad. Come on. Yeah. He'll be waiting for me to say, are you ready? Yeah. Right. So he can let me know that he is. And then when I'm done, I'll say all done. Okay. Like it's the restaurant's closed, dude. It's time to relax. Sure. Right. And then he'll go relax. But this is where, so this is where everybody, this is where most people are going to struggle with their dogs. That's all fluid. It's all convoluted. It's all. Yep. Is There's never a time starting is, point. Right, and am I on or point. am I off? What, what am I doing right now? Yeah. And then they'll, you know, they'll just do it when they feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? See, I, we run into this and I'm sure you see this all the time, um, where the way my wife will treat Rhino, he's the problem dog, but you know, the way she'll treat him is different than how I will. Like the conflict within oh, yeah. the same house. Oh yeah. Right. And sometimes th- that's it where I'll be working on getting him to, let's say like settle down on the couch. Cause you're allowed on the couch, but not if you're doing these kind of behaviors, Sure. but then she'll come and then she'll say, well, I don't really care. And I'm like, okay, but now we're, there's this, he has no idea what to do. So he's just going to do whatever if there's no no standard among yeah the i mean house, I, right? I think I, yeah i mean i think if i think dogs can if you're really consistent with it like if you always gave a cue for the couch and she didn't like of course there's going to be some confusion yeah but most dogs can figure or like let's just say like this is you're allowed on this chair this is easier like yeah. you can have that chair but not the rest gotcha right so like if you're only allowed the dog on that chair He's never going to assume the rest of the furniture is his. Mm-hmm. Right, the problem with what you're talking about is somebody lets him on the other couch sometimes. The couch doesn't change, right? So yeah. the, the person does, the couch doesn't. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> okay, that's okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But like, there's just, let's just say that she only ever let him on that couch and you never let him on. You Like when you say, then it would never occur, right? Because the, the couch is what is different bet- sure. between your rule and her rule. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, see I mean, what you're I, t- I typically will make all furniture by permission only. So that. Yeah, the, we're working on that one. Permission only. That sounds nice. <laughs> so <laughs> then that way you fix all of those problems. Sure. Because it's not a, it's not who's sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. It's about the couch. You haven't been invited on the couch. It's not because then like you're saying is that he's confused. Like, are you do you like me on the couch? Do you like me on the couch? Like who? Yeah. I, is this the time I'm allowed on the couch? So if it's always you're never allowed on the couch unless I do this, then he's always going to wait for this. No matter sure. who's on the couch. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because right? couches are a problem. So you're adding, a dog, a, you're adding a command to it. There's a step a before you yeah, get single, on the couch. Yeah. It's not, I mean, yes. I mean, it is a, I'm not, it's not a command because I'm not asking you to do it, essentially. I mean, gotcha. semantics, but it isn't a command because I'm not asking him to do it. I was giving him permission. Permission. Because so, gotcha. dogs will come and ask. Yes, they will. They'll sit there and be like, is it couch time? And, <laughs> yeah. And I'll be night. like, and if I don't do this, then the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But if I do this, then it's permission. It's permissive, right? So you can now at that point do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. access granted as opposed to like you better get up here sure right. so l- let me ask you about um about di- discipline do you have any like like theories about physically disciplining a dog is it a no-go under any circumstances or no i mean you know, no you think of there are not. circumstances i mean i think that the word discipline in and of itself is misunderstood yeah it's right? a complex word as well it is but it really it means to teach, mm-hmm. right? Discipline, I, I, it comes from the word disciple, right? It means yeah. to teach, to put to boundaries. set boundaries, yeah. Yes. So people confuse discipline and punishment. Okay. That's a good right? distinction to make, sure. Uh, so people think, when they hear discipline, they do think of punishment where really you can discipline a dog, 
without ever punishing it. Okay. Now, physical punishment, for sure, I implement. Okay. Uh, I just use tools to do it, e-collars to do it. Use e-collars, gotcha. Yeah, so, I mean, and punishment's very effective. It's certainly not... Certainly. Yeah, it's certainly not something I start with with dogs, right? I'm Mm -hmm. never going to just hop right to punishment. I mean, you can. Are there dogs who you think would would never need an e-collar? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, need... Isn't how I ever describe e-collar okay. training. Gotcha. Nobody needs e-collar training. I mean, because dog training is dog training. E-collar is a tool. Right? A tool within the domain of all dog it's training. It's a yeah. very misunderstood tool, and it's, it causes the most conflict among our industry by far. And it even, does. Even yeah. among e-collar trainers. People know, fight about the they do. appropriate they do. use. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's just one of those things. Uh, however... It's a tool that I'll always use. But in regards to, like, does a dog need it? No. Like, my dog doesn't didn't need any collar, but, of course, I e-collar trained him mm-hmm. uh, because— Well, you're familiar with it, too, right? Yeah. Like you, you know how and when to use it. And I do think that, like, for my, I mean, like most— I'm, I mean, honestly, most of my clients do e-collar programs. I have mm-hmm. non-e-collar programs. I'm not any—you know, like, I, I'm not tool-dependent. Okay. Uh, training's training, and I think a lot of that goes back to, uh, you know, actually being a student of behavioral science sure. and using how to properly apply e-collars. See, we've we've never gone down the e-collar wormhole with with Rhino, but in when we raised Tahoe, the the younger, sketchier little hound dog, mm-hmm. he when he was young, if you said his name and snapped your fingers, there were periods of his life where he would he would piss himself mm-hmm. out of fear of any type, mm-hmm. right? So sure. the thought that we would invoke any type of physical discipline or punishment at all it was just totally unnecessary because of how how, the fear response you got from just saying his name right right but with rhino if you if you were were of a mindset that you could punish this dog into submission or something like he's so physically tough that you could soccer kick the dog in the head and he would just look at you like you wanted to play sure right so we've kind of wondered like is an e-collar the wrong route to go because, I mean, to shock the dog into, you know, in, into into proper behavior, it, it might just the level of torture you would have to go to get that dog to listen. We've yeah, wondered. wondered. And, and, and I mean, you, you can find that out pretty quickly. You, what you so the improper time to try and punish behavior, and ultimately, even when you're using pressure as negative reinforcement, meaning that you're taking it away to get the dog into behavior, mm-hmm. at some point you get aversive. We're like, hey, don't do that again. Right. Gotcha. So these are two different concepts, like trying to reinforce behavior or punish behavior, two different concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, your dog in drive, right? Trying to use an e-collar to do anything is, is a mistake. I would right? think or, so. It would just add fuel to fire. Is but, all it yeah, would so, do. but so we're just, when it comes, like, you don't have to punish a dog with an e-collar. That's just typically when I get to punishment, how I like to do it because of the novelty of it mm-hmm. and because of the non-emotive nature of an e-collar. Okay. Right? Like you were talking about social pressure with uh, uh, with Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, and it, you literally yell at him and he, and he would Pee piss, piss yeah. his pants, right? Immediately. Not that he wears pants because he's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he <laughs> My would... My kitchen floor, more than yeah. likely. Yeah. But... Take that same dog and give him an e-collar punishment, mm-hmm. and it just fixes the problem. Interesting. Now, now because it's novel, right? It's just a consequence, okay? So when you're talking about punishment, because you want to simplify it, what you don't want to think about is, like, I use e-collars to punish behavior. Because ultimately, to be honest with you, I typically don't have to do that. At some point, it's an option for people because it's easy to do. 
right? Yes, it's very to, easy. It's very easy to do in that way. And that's hard to most, get wrong, right? You press a button and the consequence happens. Well, yeah, timing, it, they can get wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. If, you, if somebody instructs you how to do it correctly, it's easy to do. Like okay. if you're just trying to do it yourself, you probably screw it up. But yeah, like so marking it, delivering it at the appropriate time. And then the level as well. So this is a much more complicated concept. But uh, when it comes to punishment, like say, what, however you're applying the pressure. So you can apply it socially, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can apply it physically with tools. And that is ultimately the most effective way to communicate dogs is physically. Okay. Right? Now, like how much pressure you're applying is going to vary a lot based on the context of the dog, but pressure is pressure, right? And sure. we, ultimately you're going to end up at physical pressure with tools. Okay. A leash, right? A prong sure, collar, a, a, leash a or flat collar. buckle collar. I mean, a flat buckle collar and a leash yeah. applies physical pressure. Right? Yes. Most people think about it to contain a dog, but it's very much a communication tool and as is an e-collar. But so when it comes to punishment, you actually want to start high. Right. So let's just say most people do it the other way. And that's incorrect. Right. So say you're taking okay. social pressure with him. Like so you would just try and I mean, you don't want to flood a dog and mm-hmm. make him piss himself. Freak but, him out on purpose. Yeah, yeah. But like say if you, if you want to punish behavior, they've done studies on this where there's actually just one specific one back in the 60s. But uh, you, like say with an e-collar, for example, because this is how we typically do it. Uh, zero to 100 when it comes to punishing behaviors which we do at the end mm-hmm. we start with positive reinforcement we go to negative reinforcement so we as teach, needed yeah we teach the dog how to turn the pressure off whether whatever tool we're using isn't that important okay uh, and then we can use it to apply punishment without fallout meaning the dog doesn't then look flattened out right? sure. he's completely he's like i understand that i should not do that one particular thing i won't do it again okay right so and, and then you can absolutely use it but when you do it most people do it the wrong way. So you actually want to start high. It's actually better to over punish. Interesting. They did a study with rats where they had an electrified floor. This is where most of this concept comes okay. from. And they had food on the other side and they would offer the food and they would have a super low level stem, right? Like mm-hmm. where the dog just, where the, I mean, I'm going to say dog a lot, where the rat just feels it. Sure. Just right? uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And so he goes over with the one and he's like that wasn't anything i felt it you know and I, but, but i got it. but i got my food yeah right? yeah i did it <laughs> right and then they take the same rat and they go up to two right mm-hmm. and then he feels oh that was a little bit more intense but i still got the food right mm-hmm. i made it i i did it and then they went to three right and he's like well that sucks more but i made it i they made it last time i'm gonna make it this time okay right and then they keep, kept doing that and eventually like they got uh, they got to eight and then the rat was finally like this is too much pressure like i I can't do this, right? Gotcha. Uh, and like, say, but they the, had the memory several times of like, well, I did make. They it the overcame first time. it. They overcame they it multiple overcame times it. Right. before so, they crossed that threshold. Right. So they, so he ended up like, say, just for example, there was zero to ten. He finally didn't go get the food because it was aversive enough to where he's like, "This is too much, man. Like, I can't handle that. Okay, I'm turning around." It, they, it was at eight. Mm-hmm. Right. Where if you would have started at four, he never would have went and got the food. Yeah, four would have startled him enough to not keep trying. Right. Okay. So, and everybody, when they're punishing the dogs, they start a lower punishment. When that doesn't work, they then they go to the next level. 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 And then they think the punishment's ineffective, right? Or they almost, they might never, because they're chasing the dog up. They're making the dog more willing. Gotcha. They're right. almost toughening them up on the yes. way. Yes. They're getting them ready for the punishment. He's like, I got it last time. I'm going to try even harder. And the Where, more stuff so the you breed, end, the you more end up punishing yeah. the dog h- harder than you could have if you just... Gotcha. So even if you are a little bit over, you're not going to have to do it again. 
I see. And this is the dirty word of dog parenting. Nobody talks about punishment. Like even using the word sure. will turn people off. Well, and, there and are, it sucks. And th there are people who are of a, of a different mindset. I'd love to get into this with you. I know we emailed about it's, this a little, but sort of the Zach George um, camp of people. And, and, if, if, and I'm, I don't want to misrepresent him, but from everything I've seen, he is no punishment at any point in time for any dog for any reason. That even even conceptually, he sort of rejects that altogether. He even rejects dominance theory, which sure. to me sounds sounds a lot a lot crazier. But part of me wonders if some of the reason that he's like that is because you cannot post a video to YouTube physically disciplining a dog. No, like good no. luck posting that video. Like it'll just get torn apart. So exactly. the validity of that kind of training isn't really the point. For me, it's more like you just can't make a video about it, so you'll never get that guy to say that sometimes, sure. in some scenarios, you have to punish people. So he has sort of made up this other theory of how dog training works, when in reality, I feel like he turned the camera off and he'd be like, well, yeah, sometimes you got to punish him. I just can't say that on YouTube, right? And yeah, of course not. If that's how you are going to sell yourself yes right because he clearly is, is right he's in and, that and game I, and i do you know? of course i mean like the reward based side of training like i am into that stuff dude like that is the foundation of training like you want to get like your, the foundation it yes. is it is you like an unmotivated dog is not a dog that you can train you can't train without motivation correct right i mean you can but it's not good training so i don't train without motivation like sure. whatever it is food toy i mean for my dogs it's going to be the toy the tug right the dogs i like the dogs that like to bite things so that's what they like to do but all sure. dogs like food but so you need that and i'm sure like you're saying i don't want to misrepresent represent zach, zach and good for him like he's killing it. he's got 3.3 million youtube subscribers yeah yeah. Doing really well. Doing great. You know, so I, I have nothing bad to say about the guy. And I'm sure he knows a lot about behavioral science. But to say that he doesn't use punishment is you can't defy the, defy the laws of science. Like he does through non-reinforcement. Like that's sure. punishment. Okay. It's negative punishment, right? It's because you're taking something away. But if the dog doesn't do the thing, he doesn't get the reward. So you can't be a purely positive trainer if you're using rewards, it's not possible because of operant conditioning. Like science is science and you can't bullshit science. Sure. Like, so if you're treat training or training with any sort of reinforcement, mm -hmm. negative punishment exists. Non-reinforcement. By exists. withholding the reward is yeah, the negative punishment. It is. Yeah. Gotcha. It's non-reinforcement, which is by definition negative punishment because you're, 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 you're taking it away. I right? see. Like you didn't do the thing. You're creating a consequence. Yeah. 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 So like you can be force free. Okay. But anybody that markets themselves as a purely positive trainer either doesn't understand behavioral science. Or they're not or, looking at the whole game. Or, or they're just, they don't care because nobody cares about it. And, and, and most people that, of course, everybody loves their dogs. And like when you first get into it, you're like, yeah. And that's where you, that's, that's where you start. It's the only way to teach a dog anything. Sure. I mean... So you have to teach the behaviors. You'll never get reliable. Well, you will very unlikely to get reliability mm -hmm. with just positive reinforcement reward-based training. Gotcha. That that's, seems to be what, the, what I've the, gathered. The problem. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so that's the other side of it. And I think that most, unfortunately, most like purely positive trainers, which, again, is impossible. You can be force-free. I don't force my dog to do it. But if he doesn't, he doesn't get the reward, which is, again, technically punishment. They just do it to so they're not the evil thing okay right they're not they're, it's like virtue signaling so sure, to speak sure, right? sure. like hey i am not doing that bullshit 
Yeah. So you should come and hire me because I love your dog more than that person. That seems to be but, the, the general message from some of those people. Is <laughs> right. I actually love dogs more because I right. would never punish them in some way. But what you're saying, and they is, probably believe it. They probably do believe. They that. probably do believe it. What you're saying is you do punish. It's just through a mechanism you're not acknowledging. You're withholding rewards right. or from that them. you're not aware of, perhaps. Sure. Right. Sure. Either you're not acknowledging, you're not aware of it. So one of the things I've heard Zach George speak about, and for those just listening who don't know who Zach George is, he's the number one YouTube dog trainer. Um, but he's his style is very much like the nurturing mom instead of a disciplinary dad. Yeah, it's, and he, I think his personality, personality. There's something about him that is very like um, trustworthy. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's very like I don't know what it is. There's something about him that makes we, you want to be like, oh yeah, that sure. And I've always looked at believable, likable, very much so, very I'm much sure, so. probably well intended. Absolutely, and I think his his fundamentals are awesome for most people who have no idea yeah. how to train a no, dog he, from day one. Exactly, all the fundamentals like he, are all killer. He clearly knows you know his stuff in that regard, mm -hmm. but then at the same time, like. It's in a very controlled environment. Yeah. So like it's a very it's very uh, uh, you know manipulated. Sure. What we're seeing, right? Again, he's Always, working in yeah. a Skinner box with a dog that's probably already knows the behaviors, uh, and then so like trying to like say somebody who's like my dog bites people, right? Yeah. Or my dog is, has aggression issues. Sure. Like that's that's not going to solve the problem. I don't. I don't think it would at all. Or at even all. just getting reliability. Like, I mean, you uh, again, not to disparage him, but you see him out there with his own dog. It's uh, the the Australian Shepherd. Like, yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. think he recently adopted a, a pit bull as well and is training that dog. Uh, but very unreliable, right? Like, and he's openly says like, "Oh, my dog sucks right now." Like, and I can't, sure. I can't do anything about it. And you know, over the long term, I don't know if he ever you know fixed the leash reactivity or whatever. Uh, but. Like it's a, it's a, it's a project. It's a, like that idea, like he's using that to, to sell his product. He's not solving, he doesn't have to take somebody's dog and solve the, their problems in, in eight weeks or Correct. two weeks or whatever. And, and this is one element I wanted to ask you about sort of the, his style of dog training, being that nurturing mom, you're the dog's friend at all times, a, you know, total dismissal of like any type of physical punishment. And in my eyes, his level of tolerance for poor dog behavior, even on camera, is, is so high. I can't believe he would sit there and allow his dog to do this, this, and this, and just stand there and wait it out with no correction. Like, I, there's a, have you seen was, those videos? Yeah, he'll say, like, note that my dog just blew up. You know, like, it's sure, sure. And then and the, the behavior's practiced. I don't think it's. It does seem like the behavior's practiced sometimes. So, my thought is with his methodology of basically tolerating poor dog behavior, being the dog's friend, so to speak, is it possible that he could achieve the same result um, as, a, as a different style of training? It would just take longer. Absolutely. That of seems course. like what you're looking at, where it's of like course, he's yeah. willing to take five years to get the dog dialed in, where I right feel dog. like most people, I'm not. I will not take three, four not. years no, for this dog to understand no. what game we're playing here. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think most people that would make a significant investment in, of time and money would either. Yeah. Right. But watching yeah. some videos on YouTube and then trying it with your dog doesn't require an investment. That's very true. Right. Yeah. I mean, buy his book, whatever. Uh, and I, you know, and could you get with genetic dog? I mean, like my dog, Luke, for example, my German shepherd, I rarely put tools on him because mm -hmm. he's so motivated. Sure. Sure. Right. So like, yeah, you get this perfect dog and this is what every you know, dog trainer ultimately wants to just move towards the dog that genetically is just going to do it. Yeah. Like you don't create conflict because the dog just wants to do it. 
so yes, with that dog, you can, but like, could you do it with every dog? Absolutely. Of course not. Mm -hmm. Right. You're going to, you're going to teach the dog behaviors. Uh, you're going to have them understand what you want from them, but they're, when they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it because you have competing motivations. It goes back to, does my dog want to please me? Yeah. Right. Might be the wrong question altogether. Right. Yeah. Right. It's what you, I mean, what ultimately everybody wants is at least some reliability. Mm -hmm. Right. Will my dog do it when there's competing motivations? Yeah, that's a <laughs> right. That's always the that's problem. when you need it. Yeah, when there's no competing motivation, you're in an empty field with nothing around. Or even at your house, when it's just the, like, I mean, your dogs, you know, most dogs are just their companions. They're agreeable. You're sitting on the couch with them. It's when you take them on a walk. It's when people come over. Of course. So like, we most need our dogs to do things when they least want to do it. <laughs> Correct. Right? That's, a great that's way the to say disconnect, it. right? And everybody's yeah. like, my dog's my dog's perfect, but. He's least reactive, and I can't have people come over. I'm like, your dog's perfect? Perfect is the wrong word. <laughs> right? Sure. They, they use that most of the time, right? Yeah. My dog's great, but... Sure. He blows up every dog I see on a walk, mm -hmm. and I can't have people come over without him jumping all over everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not... That's, your dog's not even livable. Sure. Right? Like, sure. your dog's legitimately ruining your life to a certain <laughs> extent. Sure. You know, that's not what people get dogs for. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how they behave when there's nobody around and it's quiet and there's a movie playing, that's fine, but what about the rest of life, right? Uh, yeah, and I, th I think that 10% is, is when you need obedience, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, my dog, yeah. So that goes back to the whole idea of like those two things being completely separate, obedience, behavior. Uh, my dog's well-behaved until I need obedience, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so. yeah. We've run into this problem with, with Rhino before. We uh, There was one time, man, we made a mistake. We took him to St. Augustine, uh -huh. and he was... He was maybe 10 months old, so, you know, full, still very much a puppy, uh, but he had plenty of basic skills. He was okay on the leash, um, but we took him to St. Augustine on a Saturday, and this, it was packed, packed. I mean, just shoulder to shoulder in certain areas with people, um, many, many, many dogs, different sizes and colors, sure. dogs in strollers, big, giant, dogs great strollers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, shit he had never seen before, and I, we realized after about 10 minutes that we just threw this dog off the deep end too mm -hmm. soon uh, and it was a very embarrassing awkward day of this screaming pit bull just freaking yeah, they, they out scream. they have that they scream, scream that yelpy yeah. scream yeah, that's horrible. which sounds <laughs> it sounds so bad um right. so yeah that was one of those days we sort of had to metaphorically like tuck all of our tails and be like we we pushed too hard today um and you know so we still have to gauge certain scenarios um for how many dogs will be there how crowded it is and it, it's um it's tough, man. It's it's really, really tough sometimes going to those, well, I, maybe say it this way, taking the behavior that you know he's capable of and then adding stimuli on top of it and trying to get him to behave the same way. It, it's it's very, very tough to get him to the point where you could have all these conflicting interests and, and know what to expect from them. He surprises us often, you know, because he hasn't seen everything. It's not too tough to get him in a scenario where he's overwhelmed or freaked out by something and yeah i mean i think considering what you're talking about is is what most people struggle with is they mm -hmm. do they 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 raise the stakes too quickly yeah right like you're saying that, we, that day was obvious that's what we did right yeah so uh dogs can handle a lot incrementally mm -hmm. right so a little bit by a little bit you build on you know it's approximation you make it tougher and tougher and tougher but if you if you as you described, just jump into busy day or farmer's market or whatever. Yeah. They're always losing his mind. You'll know. Rehearsing, practicing the behavior. It's never, you know, what you want to do is like you're saying, I mean, recognize it and like tuck your tail in. 
Sure. And head home and reevaluate. Yeah. And like that is ultimately practice, right? Yes. And that's getting reps in. Yeah. And you do need the dog to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is the, that idea of like, um, and then starting over, right? So that's the idea of, of practice that with anything, I mean, music's a great example mm-hmm. of uh, what's called, it's called deep practice. Okay. Where, you know, when mistakes are made, you go back to the beginning and start again, mm-hmm. right? Instead of glossing over the mistake. So obviously when you're practicing things like, so, you know, perfect practice makes perfect, that kind of stuff, yeah. like where you're yeah, yeah. literally trying to just go through the repetitions and rehearse the thing mm-hmm. instead of, and a lot of people do this with their dogs, instead of, uh, you know, being, obviously you want to control the circumstances, but then putting your dog in situations where they make mistakes so you can correct it. Sure. Right. And then make it incrementally more difficult. And if they struggle, like your for example, we went to St. Augustine, it went it all went to shit. Then you move too quickly. You need to go back to the beginning. Correct. Right. And then start again and do it perfectly until you make a mistake. Sure. And then go back to the beginning. Instead of glossing the mistakes over as you go, like you said. Yeah. Right. And then because what's going to happen is, you know, the uh, the the book that um, that I got this from, it's called The Talent Code, uses an example of somebody learning to play the piano, like a okay. little girl learning to play the piano. And it's like, do, 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 do. And then when you hit an off note, some people will just mark that and then continue. Gotcha. Right. Instead of then going back to the beginning. I now, see. girl number one that stops every mistake goes back to the beginning and goes back through the process until there is no longer any mistakes, it's going to take way longer for her to learn to play that song. Because you're starting over every time. Right. Yeah. The other person is going to play it much more quickly, Mm -hmm. right? However, it's going to sound horrible. Sure. Right? Where girl number one, it might take her six months to learn the song, but when she finally gets all the way through, it will have been played perfectly. Sure. Right? So it's the idea of deep practice where you're literally making mistakes, and instead of identifying the mistake and then continuing you literally sure. go right back to the beginning and then you incrementally make it more difficult and you, ideally you don't ever get to the point where you're just completely lose everything sure sure right? uh, and that's kind of the idea of when you're practicing with your dog is to recognize those things mm-hmm. right and then try and I mean it's hard to quantify very right <laughs> very. Uh, that's why the example of that you know somebody learning to play a song on the piano is much simpler Oh, but it's the same kind of, kind of concept, right? So that sure. off note is that time when you went to the farmer's market and all went to shit, right? So then you want to, you know, start again. Start again. Right. Exactly. Not just call that a blip on the radar because that's right. a big deal. We don't want to keep, like, keep doing this, if, you know? Like, so if you want to do the thing, if you want to excel at that thing, mm-hmm. like if you, like this is the whole idea of like, are people actually born talented, <laughs> right? Or is it something that they... They develop. De- they develop. Nature, nurture, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you, like there's places like Argentina, for example, the soccer players, right? Uh, there's something to that, right? There's something to, like, um, these families that have, like, the, the, the Manning brothers, for example, right? They're, they're just the idea that they're both born that talented is ridiculous, sure, sure. right? Like, that is through, they got that good through practice. Of course, they're six foot six or whatever, and... Yeah, you know, some, things, like some and, things you can get a lucky draw. Yeah, but I do, yeah. th- I do think that people that re- – <clears throat> and another good book is called The Talent Code. Okay. I don't even remember the author. But uh, it goes to that idea that most people that are extremely good at something, while everybody says, oh, they're talented. Yeah. Right? They 
uh, went through, they first they practiced deeply. I think the other thing is like a master coach. Like you have to have somebody to sure to Assist show you the you. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but th- those people that are at the very top of whatever you're doing, dog training, musicians, elite whatever, excellence across. The they've board. all gone through that same sort of process. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you're Including, saying the most well-behaved dogs in the world are not lucky. They went through a very similar training process. Yeah, and like, and I think they've gotten so good. People have gotten so good at training dogs that before, like, you had to have the genetically. I see. Like, you had to have that dog. But training's gotten so good that a lot of these, like, I mean, mostly dog sports because that's what I'm familiar with. Uh, The best trainers can take dogs that, like, 20, 30 years ago Mm -hmm. didn't stand a chance. They'd be like, "Dog's a piece of shit. Get it out of here." Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right. but and now, now they're workable. Yeah, now they're workable because people are so, they've refined that stuff so much. Yeah. They've yeah. gotten so much better at it. I mean, the last, even the last 20 years in dog training, not just because of the you know, t- technical advantages or you know, uh, progression of the tools. I mean, mm-hmm. e-collar is a great example. Um, you know, they've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's the, the training is just so much better. Like sure. people are, the people that are good at it are so much better at it. Yeah. And then you have this whole swath of like people that are new to it in the last 20 years. Caesar, right? Like sure. they were like, Oh, I'm just going to like do this on the side. <laughs> I love, I love dogs. Oh, sure. I'll start training on the side. And then, and then they just, they flounder. Yeah. You know? I think that happens to a lot of people. If, if you're not truly passionate about the psychology you know, right. or have the patience to really get in the weeds with a truly problematic dog. I mean, that's a slow, monotonous, repetitive. It is, and art, it can be, it can be very humbling. I mean, I even like I went through some good training. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, three months. I moved to Charlotte. I mean, I I, I was immersed in dog training. Wow. After like being a dog person, mm-hmm. right? And then when I when I started training dogs, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, and that's something. You know? right? <laughs> I felt like an imposter. Yeah, right. Like, like I, the, the, your love of dogs, you realize, gives you no credit in <laughs> right. dog training. Like, I have it no translate. idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, I've figured it out, you know, but I think a lot of trainers don't. Yeah. They're like, this is not at all what I thought it was. I'm going to quit. Uh, or they just burn out. You know, I they could just see that disappear. Too. Yeah. They just, they're like, they're good at it. You know, they're filling their schedules. They're making a bunch of money because it's profitable. Sure. I, I imagine mean, dog so. training is profitable. And I meant to ask you this too, you know, with, with COVID, one of the weird silver linings that I'm sure you saw, um, a, ton, a ton of people were adopting dogs, yes. like a ton of them when lockdowns happen. And what yeah. a beautiful thing to do when you're stuck at home for a Absolutely. certain amount of yeah. time. It's I a mean, perfect time to get yeah. into the puppy phase and mm-hmm. get all your, your fundamental training in. And did yeah. you see a lot of that boom happen? No, uh, industry-wide, everybody is yeah. crushed with with the awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. It, it, is, it is awesome. How can you complain about <laughs> you, that? You can't, but I was already busy. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was already busy. So now like I'm booking 2022. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, man, that's awesome. It is, but it's problematic. Like, you know, I, I mean, being busy is great, but it also means that like, you know, when it comes to dog training, by the time somebody reaches out to me, like they're in trouble typically. Usually, right. You know, like yeah. nobody's thinking ahead on this stuff. So I'm like, and then you like, you know, I'm always at the end being like, oh yeah, we can help. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I tell I tell because what you do is especially Again, not to disparage other people, but I don't know. Like, if you call around for dog training, you're going to talk to some idiots, right? That, I imagine that so. Don't know what they're talking about, or just aren't professional because a lot of people just hang a shingle up and call themselves a dog trainer because they think it's fun or whatever. They like dogs, or they 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 know how to teach a dog how to sit and lay down, and sure. so they think that's some similar. Yeah, yeah. So, but you're going to talk to a lot of idiots or people that are uh, not. They don't have any. 
client relation skills or customer sure. service skills. They're like a lot of, so you have kind of the, the what I call uh, cookie pushers, like I mean, I hate to say like the more feminine side of dog trainer, like, sure. you know, like uh, you know, we know where I'm talking about here. Yeah. We'll right? just say the, the more delicate, like, like mom right. style training. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, like dog training is a, that's a very um, uh, female dominated business when it comes to is it really? the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Most, most, okay. most trainers are going to be female. Uh, so you have that side of it and then you have the, like kind of more like your dad, right? Yeah, the disciplinarians. Uh, well, like a canine trainer. Like a lot of people, sure. a, lot of, a lot of ex-military, they, they do, they, they train in all like dog people that working dogs, they'll train pet dogs because of the, the wider audience. Well, so right? there's more mean, money to be made. If yeah. You're so that, pets. I mean, yeah. you know, they can train pet dogs. So you have that kind of person, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have a lot of in between, which is kind of where I feel like I fit into. Okay. Uh, you know, somebody that's approachable, that it has, you know, uh, some semblance of like, customer service relations skills with sure. people, right? Because you train uh, people as much as dogs, I you take do. it, if not you more, do. right? Yeah. So, I'm, you know, so I, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle, and I think that's what, you know, that's really what, what people want, something that's approachable but also effective, mm -hmm. right? So this is the whole the balanced trainer. You know, like sure. Uh, I mean, so, to me, that seems the most the most optimal. You know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with some of these. There's a ton of studies about two-parent households, and it is one of the best predictors of like a child is in you know humans, but like one of the right. best predictors of a child's success is if both parents are present in the home. And it's not totally understood why that's the case, but it's super, super clear that having a mom and a dad within the same house is like one of the best predictors of success. It predicts whether or not you're gonna go to jail, your college degree, sure. like all sorts of things. Yeah. And I have always thought that one of the reasons that that is such a good predictor of success is because you're getting the archetypal spectrum of of how to behave in the world you're getting the disciplinarian but yeah. you're also getting the nurturing loving side so this would be your traditional mom and dad and how they would traditionally raise a kid right, right. and so when you're exposed to that full spectrum of you no know, you know sometimes you suck at things and you need hard rules and hard boundaries and <laughs> right. consequences and punishment and historically it, dad provides that dad provides that on, right. on paper right right and then you go to the other side and you know you also need to be nurtured and loved and cared for and, and, you know, maybe given some rewards that you didn't totally earn sometimes, like things that boost your yeah, confidence and your interesting, pride. Yeah, interesting yeah, and so I, way I've, to think about that. I've I, always thought that if that, that appears to work really well for children, that, that perhaps that's the correct way to look at dog training as well. Is, I mean, the parallels, I mean, I'm a... I'm a, also a, a parent. I have sure. two small kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm sure you've thought through many of these parallels before. I have, and, before. and, like, and, and all, of course, are, you know, that's a great way to relate to people, uh -huh. right? Especially if they have kids. Cause, and then it, when you talk about these concepts with clients, they're all like, oh, yeah, that's what, that makes total sense. Of yeah. course, the application. Of course. <laughs> is, <laughs> making it happen is a little different. It's yeah. different. <laughs> but, yeah, conceptually, it's the same because we're all mammals, right? This is behavioral science. Correct. Right? And just like when you're raising a dog, like you're training your dog whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You're raising the dog. Right? Discipline, again, to teach uh, is what you do with a dog and, and, a, and a child. Uh, whether you, again, whether you realize you're doing it or not, you're doing it. Yeah. You're creating bad habits or good habits. So, yeah, I mean, can, a lot of the concepts are absolutely uh, very, very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I guess for the, the whole idea of, like, this end, you know, the soft end and then the hard end and, like, having both of them make so well-balanced individual mm -hmm. um it is i mean i guess similar when you're talking about training and the you know the 
the spectrum of that as well sure, from reward sure. to punishment and whatever's in between it is an interesting yeah well i just analogy. look at it as like if you were to say what's <clears throat> just take a child because i feel like most people can more easily imagine this with a child but if you were to say you know what's the appropriate amount of discipline it's not all the discipline that can't be the answer it's not discipline boundaries rules consequences and punishment all the time every day no matter what that can't be the 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 default state for raising it a kid can't be right? I think it can't be all play that play is the other part of it this plays a huge right. but well if you go to the other side of the spectrum and say how much um, nurturing loving compassion do you you know show a kid you know that sheltering all of these more archetypal like mothering kind of qualities well it's not all of that clearly you can't go that direction so I look at it as like if you take either one of these views like like parenting styles and you take them to the extreme, you're in bad territory in either way. You're either a totalitarian sure. or you're like this devouring mom who never lets the kid leave the house sort of thing. Like either version of these extremes don't work. So to me, it always seemed obvious that it, it's somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle. And I think like human beings, I don't know, and more so seemingly to me, like we're definitely extremist right we like to be <laughs> we get you know, yanked like a magnet to those yeah, sides there's very right? when it, especially when it comes to you know again things that people have uh, uh, emotional connections to like dogs it mm -hmm. is typically one extreme or the other uh parenting everybody wants to give you parenting advice of course yeah uh it's 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 weird how uh how we we do tend to uh be on one side or the other instead of what everybody talks about you know mm -hmm. meeting in the middle yeah uh, nobody seems to be able to to do that as well as we probably should be able to when it comes to parents or or, or parenting or politics uh, or anything in between. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The middle ground is is oftentimes the most uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think that's where typically where most people truly fall. You know? Yeah. In actuality, it's, that's it's where once a lot you of people start having conversations about this stuff that people tend to to yeah. polarize. Yeah. Well, yeah. the internet has put a magnifying glass to that yeah, problem. Yeah. You know, it makes it easier to be in this you, camp or that camp, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you, then you fall into the political discussion. Which is yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I like to think that, that people of your mindset, you know, like you, you describe yourself as a balance trainer. You know, I like to think that, that people like you, conversations like this, help remind people that there's a rational balance to all of these things, right? You, you can be a, a trainer who... who entertains the concept of discipline or punish punishments probably the better word who doesn't that that's not synonymous with saying i like beating dogs into submission like that's not what you're saying right right like, yeah i mean punishment's a consequence yeah you know punishment's yeah, yeah, a consequence yeah. that you prefer not to happen i mean if, if, to be effective sure sure <laughs> it has to be aversive yeah right yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. We, we're all punished right you're punished i'm punished i mean you know, when you live life the world's full of consequences and you'll find them yeah. yeah or i mean with speeding ticket whatever i mean there's consequences i mean whether it's positive or negative in re regards to like uh uh this is a slippery slope wormhole type of conversation yeah. but uh you know the the four quadrants of behavioral science um you know negative and positive people think you know good or bad mm -hmm. when it's additional removal i see right so yeah positive punishment would be striking like i mean no nobody strikes well i don't know anybody that strikes dogs I and mean, when you think about sure. physical punishment we're not goes, talking about backhanding the dog <laughs> right. for no reason because that yeah. creates fear yes and so if you want to accomplish obedience if you want a good dog 
if you're physically striking it, you'll never get it, mm-hmm. right? So, of course, that's not something I do. It's not something I philosophically agree with, obviously. Uh, there are some people that do it because that goes back to kind of that dominance idea. Sure, um, and how, how hard you want to take that concept. Right? And, I, and with that kind of stuff, so nuanced, like this whole idea of like dominant or submissive or... Uh, this alpha beta, like those roles, like I guess going sure not to jump around too much, but you're talking about Zach and this whole idea of like the dominance theory with like dogs aren't wolves and they're not, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not anymore. Yeah, they're different. There's something else. I mean, yeah. obviously they're 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 genetically uh, similar, mm-hmm. but we've we've manipulated one percent enough to make them look weird. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> very weird. Yeah, and they're not. Uh, and even in like in um, uh, wild wolves, they're uh, they're a family unit, not sure. necessarily a pack. There isn't like you know strange dogs coming in and joining up. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they're they're a family unit. Okay. So this idea of dogs being like pack animals um, is a little antiquated. You know, I mean they're they're social animals, but yeah. Uh, I mean, do they operate within hierarchies? Yes, of course, but they still have hierarchies. But there's a nuance to it, right? So the context of that might change who's in charge. Okay, right. Depending on what scenario we're in. Yeah, like a dominant dog will certainly, like you see, like for example, you know, like uh, I have a big dog and a small dog, Mm -hmm. right? He will gladly be submissive to my small dog. Interesting, right? Yeah, because of the context of the situation, like in okay. that in that scenario. So dogs, like with aggression, there's no dog that's always dominant and always submissive. Okay, the, interesting. The, so it just varies depending on context. Sure. Yeah. Of course it does, right? I mean, a lot like people, uh, you know, it's going to depend on what situation you're in, depending sure. on how you express your home that, or right? at work or in well, traffic with, or and, yeah. And, and I guess the value of the situation or why, you know, like there's and even with aggression, there's no dog that's always aggressive. No dog that isn't ever aggressive. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we were talking outside about dogs. There's like, I typically see dogs like three camps. Like you got the dog that likes to fight. Mm-hmm. I guess that's 10% of them. Sure. Yeah. Like the, the <laughs> I got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> the, you got the 10% that is like never going to fight. Like you could just, just beat them all day long. They're just going to curl up in a ball. Sure. Right. And then you have the ones in between that will. Yes. Right. But given the opportunity, too much pressure, they'll, they'll take off. Yep. Uh, so it's you funny know. you describe it that way. That makes a lot of sense. You've got a, the 10% on either side of the spectrum, the outliers, and then you've got this 80 in the middle that kind of hangs out. Most dogs. And then yeah. the aggression is, is, you know, like it's, normal i mean some aggression is normal right sure, like sure i mean res- some of it's a genetic like resource guarding yeah yeah like that- you're not necessarily going to fix that <laughs> sure. it's not resolvable the dog wants food and it's built in yeah it's lizard brain yeah it is like you can create resource guarding right yeah. by making your dog compete for things or yeah that's true you could bring that out thing- of any dog right yeah giving it and taking it away people do this to like yeah. try and make them not resource guard i'm like yeah. you're actually making your dog a resource you're guard. letting them know that shit can disappear for no reason sometimes like I'm, <laughs> i might give it to you and take it away because <laughs> yeah. they're like i want to make sure my dog allows me to do this sure that means he's not a resource guarder right if, if if the if uh, people will do this they do it all the time i see people do it mm-hmm. and they're actually creating the problem but typically it's genetics mm-hmm. right like the dog is just a genetic resource guarder Sure. They just come out of the box that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, but with things, very complicated issues like aggression, uh, they just are never black and white. Yeah. It's you always, know? always individualized, context based. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are like that too. I think, I think 
every issue, like politically, even some of the most divisive things out in the world. Now, you, you name whatever the issue is. I think their issues are sort of the same way. Very individualized, a lot of context required, sure. really uncomfortable, nuanced conversations are yeah. kind of the name of the game here. But right. we're, uh, I don't know, we're, we're a lot more comfortable throwing things in boxes that way. But it's cool to see that even in the world of dog training, this this idea of a balance still applies, right? Where it's it's not one of the one or the other extreme camps necessarily it's just these camps seem to emerge but in reality most people like yourself you kind of find yourself in the middle that's yeah but then then it's but then even within the balance trainers there's camps right yeah of course there are camps within the camps well yeah so the back to e-collars right like there's this uh they want to present e-collars as being something a lot of e-collar trainers is they talk about low level and so you've never done i mean never done it before no so you know, and I introduce e-collars at low levels, but there's this one camp where like we talk a lot about low level stem and almost like you can, and I see trainers do it, sell it as something that's not, and it, that can be dangerous, right? Okay. Where an e-collar isn't something that's aversive, right? Mm-hmm. So like you can classically condition, I mean, if, if, these concepts are not complicated, but uh, you know, classical conditioning is like Pavlov's experiment. Sure. I mean, horrible experiment. Yeah. Very abusive to dogs, but we did find some good information out sure. about classical conditioning, right? Uh, so, you know, ring the bell, feed the dog, ring the bell, feed the dog. The dog salivates at some point. It's a it's a reflexive conditioned response, sure. right? You pair something sure. with something else, uh, and you know that is important. But the you know the the basis of of dog psychology is again that that operant conditioning. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, thank you so much for your uh, your time today, man. I really yeah, appreciate it. This no, was, I, I enjoyed, this was awesome. I enjoyed coming by. I uh, definitely like to have conversations with dog people, and uh, you know, I was uh, the, uh, the I did get to watch some of your other other okay. uh, some <laughs> topics and a sure, lot of stuff sure. interested me, obviously. Uh, and I, I, you know, I like having conversations with like minded individuals. It, it's it's an opportunity for growth, right? I mean, I sure. think uh, when you're in your comfort zone, you're never growing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Well, by the so. way, you're you're very good at this too. You didn't okay. you didn't have that nervous window. Some people have the. You right. can tell there's like a <laughs> like the pits with the look in the eye. Like you can tell right. some people when the red light goes on. It the, you know it can take 10, 20, 30 minutes for people to loosen up and. Um, but you didn't seem to even have that window smooth. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, that might be. I mean, you're a very comfortable setup, right? <laughs> awesome. And, and uh, I, mean, well, I you're, think you're used to talking I, to people about dogs right, really like frequently, this, right? Like this is something that I that I know. Like at this point, I mean, it took me, you know, ten years to get to the point where I didn't like we had talked about like an imposter syndrome. Like, yeah, no idea what I'm doing. I'm just gonna fake it till I make it. Kind of thing, you know <laughs> Got to I mean? do that for a while. And at this point, like, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it is, and, and I and I'm passionate about it, right? It is something that I think that. Uh, people need help with, right? Mm-hmm. This is why I became a trainer ultimately. Yeah. I was like, I do. You needed help that that went right. I did, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, you know what? Like, this is way better than the bullshit I've been doing. Yeah. Right. Like, I can actually help people. I was doing. Like, I went to college and you know did some sculpting where I got a history degree. I'm a kind of a history buff, but okay. Uh, and then I went back to food and beverage because it's just what I did in college. Sure. You know, that's what I how I went way back through it. And I was just like, I guess I'm just gonna do this. Yeah. Like not enjoying it. I mean, obviously you. I took a passion and, and made it a profession, but uh, I just took the more stereotypical, like I'll go to college, get an education and then get a job, yeah. right? Whatever pays me the most. Sure. Like I wasn't following my passions. Yeah. I was like, I'll just make some money and then do that on the side, but I'll just do what I like to do once I have, you know, yeah. the whole idea of, uh, you know, working to live or living to work. Uh, 
but once I worked with a professional dog trainer, I, I did like the, it just, it just lit. And I, and then I just took it from there and here. Yeah. Yeah, so. Man, that's awesome. So where can people find you? If they, anybody in central Florida area that wants to train with you, uh, Orlando dog wizard, Orlando dog wizard. Yep. So, uh, I mean, obviously I have uh, social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook, cool. the, we'll link all that stuff up. I'll get it from you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we serve the whole central Florida area. I mean, I have a lot of clients that come from, you know, Jacksonville from, sure. uh, you know, from, uh, the space coast from Gainesville. I mean, there isn't, you know, there's just not a, a lot of trainers around that know what they're doing, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I looked at quite a few before I sent an email to you. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's there was just... a couple I was on the website for two minutes. I'm like, not this person. <laughs> like, we will love your dog and to be yeah. the perfect dog. Like, All right. Oh, uh, I love my, my, my webmaster guy. Like, he's great. Like, yeah. He did a great job with the website. People do comment on it. Like, I'm not, that's not me. Like, I'm a trainer. Like, yeah. I, the uh, social media side of it, I'm doing my own, but yeah, the, he does a great job with the website, but yeah, I mean, we're, uh, busy. So yeah, that's like, good. <laughs> busy is good. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously I love to, you know, get exposure to new people or like you're saying, just start some conversations on, sure. on dog training. We do free evaluations. So, uh, that, that contact information, if, you know, uh, people visit the website or, uh, or call the office, uh, we schedule free evaluations over the phone. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so that's, that stuff's uh, really easy to do, but we are uh, booking out quite a bit. We are booking into sure. 2022, which is good, but I always like to preface it, you know, when I talk to people about their dogs, you yeah. have to get them too excited about, oh my God, this sounds so awesome. And you're like, okay, well, I'll see you in three months. I'll see you in several months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for your yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Awesome conversation. We'll, uh, we'll catch you. you guys in the next episode.